Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans, presented by Fort Comfort Gutters. Now here's your host with the latest on the Burgundy and Blue, Mike Evans. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Mile High Hockey. No Mike Evans today. Will Peterson, Rachel B. Hill filling in for you. Uh, it's the it's the not most fun day to fill in, Rachel. But a loss was always going to happen. The Colorado Avalanche will not be going 82-0. 4 nothing loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins last night. Uh, Tristan Jari had 31 saves for Pittsburgh. Avs just never really in the game, never had their legs. Rachel, there's going to be nights like this. There, there, There's inevitably going to be nights like this, correct? For sure. And that's why I'm like, nobody panic. They're, like you said, they're, we're never going to go 82-0. and That's unheard of. But the fact that they just didn't seem down, they were kind of just like, you know, things weren't clicking tonight. Like pucks were spinning, things were going, passes like weren't great. Like that kind of stuff. You're just like, okay, look at this game and you move on. Like they're not getting down. And that's why I'm able to stay positive about this app team. If they like got really down on the dumps, then I'd be like, well, crap. Like if they're down, then everybody else is going to feel that way too. Well, even Kel McCarr said after the game, we weren't going to win every game. We were going to lose at some point. So it's like, okay, Kale, Kale was upset. He said, hey, we didn't have our A game, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think even he felt the need to sort of tell this reporter in Pittsburgh of like anyone who thinks that, you know, and obviously, you know, the Bruins last year went like, what, 70 and 12 or whatever. They Crazy. still lost 12 times. You don't go undefeated in sports, uh, in, in pro sports. No one's done it in football, obviously, since the Dolphins 50 years ago. It's, it's obviously never going to happen in hockey or basketball or baseball. We all know that. So one loss is one loss. But if, for a guy like Kale, it's, you know, he's as competitive as everyone. And I got to ask you, Rachel, do you think they even watch this tape or do they just kind of burn it and move on? Burn it and move on. And I wouldn't even want Jared Bednar to bring up this one. First of all, you have a goaltender in Georgiev who's gone six games now going on his seventh. And it's like, okay, like that's not really the typical for a goaltender in hockey. Like they get a night off, but they don't have Pavel Fronso. So like that's hurting them. And then a fine. Like he's the third string. What do you expect out of him? So it's like, okay, well, do you keep this record going to see if you can possibly go seven and oh and kind of ride this high that's going on? Or do you rescue or give and not know? And so, you know, I'm playing this fine line and it's so easy today after they lost to be like, oh, well, they should have rested Georgiev and let him do that. But like, if you have an opportunity to possibly go seven and oh, then I feel like you go with it. Right. And you probably talk to Georgiev and he was probably like, yep, let's go. And it just didn't end up being their night. And so you just scratched that tape. That wasn't their best hockey. They played much better in previous games and you just roll with that. Forget about it. We all have bad days at work. Yeah, and, and they did get Georgie like a half a period last night. So better than nothing, pulled him with like 10 minutes to go, which was, okay, sort of the waving white flag symbolic. Get him off his feet. But you're right. They haven't had back-to-backs. They've had a pretty uh, spaced-out schedule. They don't play again until Buffalo this weekend. So I firmly expect him in net against the Sabres. We'll get to that game uh, in a couple of minutes. But let's take a look back because uh, mm-hmm. Tuesday was good, Rachel. The Avalanche set an NHL record 15 straight regular season road wins. That obviously dates back to last year. They broke a a record from the Sabres in 2006, who also did it over two seasons. Yes, yes, we know they lost one game in Seattle to the Kraken in the playoffs. This was a regular season record, 15 in a row. NHL history with a 7-4 win over the Islanders. 
that's an unreal number to go into an opponent's building 15 straight times and leave with a win. This group should be proud of that. It's crazy because it goes back to March of last year. And I'm like, wait a second. Like March? That's crazy. Well, of last season, excuse me. March of last season. But still you're like, what on earth? That feels so long ago. And yes, everybody's like, well, technically it's not because of the loss to Seattle. Everybody, this is regular season games. You can still be proud of it, even though if it's just regular season games. So I like it. Uh, it's one of those like most random stats where you're like, okay, like what are we supposed to do with this? But it's also still cool to kind of be in the history books, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, let's talk about six of their first eight games are on the road um, with Buffalo. Clearly they like being on the road. They started the year 3-0 and on the West Coast. They got a chance to have a winning road trip against Buffalo. They rallied to win the division in dramatic fashion last year. We all remember the game in Nashville with Nathan McKinnon. And is there something to be said about you can tell a team is tight when they like playing together on the road? Do you see the correlation there? It means that the, the boys are all hanging out. They're going to dinner. They're going to the movies. They're in each other's rooms. They're just being together because they're friends. They're not just coworkers. They're friends. Yep. You see what I'm getting at on that, like, a team that's good on the road means the guys like each other. No, a hundred percent. And it makes me so happy. It makes me think back to the cup, right? Where the cup run, I guess I should say, they were so good on the road and it was like, okay, well, everyone at ball arena is like, Hey, we want you to win it here. But they were, we knew when they were going down to Tampa for that game six, it was like, it's going to end there. Like they're just so dominant on the road. And obviously a little bit has changed since then, but that core is still there. And the leadership in that locker room is still there. And so, you're watching this and yeah, they do like to all hang out and you want a team who has really good chemistry and all trust each other. We are honestly seeing that with the Val Nachuskin situation too, of like, we're all forgetting and forgetting. So that means you all need to do that too. And they're super tight. Like there's no clicks in that locker room at all compared to last year, actually, where it did feel like it sometimes there were like a few clicky moments. And I know this dates back to last season too, a little bit, but like this year, it just feels so different. Yeah, and you're right. Speaking of that cup run, they never closed the series out at Ball Arena. Nope. They beat Nashville in round one in the sweep. They nope. beat St. Louis round two, game six in St. Louis. Edmonton in a sweep in the Western Conference Finals up north. Nope. And then you're right, they won the cup in Tampa Bay. Kind of nuts um, <laughs> how good this team is on the road, how much they thrive, and how much more reason to uh, just wipe away the Penguins game. Let's talk, though, about a big Gabe Landeskog update we got this week from Emily Kaplan of ESPN. She spoke with Chris McFarland, the Avalanche's GM. And Rachel, I heard you talking about this report yesterday and, and yeah. it just sort of the, the, the spectrums of it, right? Like, Hey, he could return to the playoffs this year, but also quote, his career hangs in the balance. And if anything goes wrong, we're going to have to redo this surgery and no NHL player has ever come back from this specific knee uh, replacement that he cartilage replacement that he got. How did you read this report? Glass half full or glass half empty? It was fascinating because I'm totally with you. It was like, I'm reading it. And I'm like, Oh, this is kind of positive. And then at the very end, they kind of drop this bomb on you of like, well, if there's any setbacks, like he could end up having the surgery again. And you're like, Oh my gosh. And then of course you hear like no NHL player who's ever come back from this, the NBA player in Lonzo ball. And so it's kind of interesting that the two you know, teams have been swapping information for like yeah. recovery stuff. Like I found that to be super fascinating. I so badly want Gabriel and to come back. Right. And I, I even tweeted, I was like, we want Gabe, we want Gabe. But I put, 
only if he's healthy, because that's at the end of the day, what matters the most. I was kind of surprised he did the surgery to begin with because yeah, no NHL player has ever come back from it. And I remember seeing there were a couple of former players, like the names aren't coming to my mind right now, who had said, yeah, I went up, like did the surgery and I couldn't come back from it. Yeah. And it was just like, oh my gosh. But he, Gabe must've felt like the team he had was really solid and like gives you a little bit of hope, but I would be shocked if he would be back by the playoffs. I'm looking forward to more like next year kind of thing. Yeah, I see what you're saying, but I almost like just to play devil's advocate. I love when it. He comes, when he comes back, Rachel, it's going to be a short stint, right? That's sort of how I feel. So I don't know if we should expect him to come back next year and be able to grind through 82 games and then the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It might feel like if you're Gabe, like, hey, I can get a second cup and then I can hang it up. I got 20 games, 25 games left in me in my entire career. Yeah. Maybe he does come back for these playoffs, wins a second cup. And then Peyton Manning, John Elway's it off into the sunset. I'm sure. going a little Disney movie here, but maybe maybe he feels like he's got one last run in him. Not a full season, but a couple months. Well, and it's fascinating, too, because we all remember the press conference where we were really nervous that he was going to retire. We were like, why are they calling this press conference? Like, what's going to happen? And Gabe has always been the type of guy he wants the attention to be on the guys on the ice. And we're even seeing that with his treatment. Like, he's up in Toronto when he has, like, his summer house because he's like, I can get treatment there and not take away from any of the guys that are actually out there playing right now. And so – Maybe you're kind of right, though. Like, wouldn't that be just like the storybook ending for Gabriel Landeskog? Goes out there, gets a second cup. But at the same time, you really think he wants to hang it up so soon? I mean, how old is Gabe? 30? Yeah, he's young. He's like, in. I mean, in hockey age, he's old. In real life, he's young. He's like yeah, something like that. Yeah. He's under contract through 2029. I mean, I know. the outlet. You know like, but like, it just, if, if you felt like you had one last gasp in you, right? And the gasp was, I can play in these playoffs, get us our second cup, and get us over the hump. I hope it works out. I hope Gabe plays five more years. I do. I'm just wondering if deep down he knows he's only got a little bit of hockey left in him, so he's got he's to use that hockey wisely, I guess. Yeah, and that's a smart point by you, too. And I find it fascinating in the article, too. Like, the major thing that it's going to take is starting and stopping on the ice. Yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking as I'm reading this, I'm like, you're right. That puts so much pressure on your knee. And you do that so often in hockey that you're having to like switch around. And they said he's a couple months out from even doing that. But that has to be so hard on your knees as you're trying to rehab this whole process. No doubt about it. Let's talk about Buffalo this weekend, Rachel. Mm. Uh, on Sunday, you can watch it before the Broncos game, which will be exciting. Abs and Sabres. Uh, Sabres kind of a middle of the road 500 team, but but they got a familiar face and a very old and very good friend, Eric Johnson versus the Avalanche. Be good to see EJ, but I got to admit, it's going to be weird for EJ and it's going to be very weird for guys like Nathan and Miko and Kale facing EJ on Sunday. For sure. And I'm sure they're going to have a lot of fun with it, right? It's like reuniting okay. with an old coworker where you're like, oh, like, let's all hang out and like chit chat and everything too. But Nathan McKinnon in that core, once the puck drops, you know that they are so focused on what they have to do and go out there and just try and win. And I do expect a bounce back game. Like you said, the Sabres are kind of like middle of the pack team. So I think with how the performance went last night, I think that they'll bounce back. They'll be good. Georgiev is expected to be back in that. I believe Jared Bednar said. So that makes me a little bit nervous. I won't lie. Cause again, he's not really getting any rest. Like at what point does the rest come for him? So 
I'm expecting the offense to look a bit, little bit better, but it might be one of those high-scoring games where Georgiev lets a few in, but Kael McCarr, Nathan McKinnon, um, Nico, <coughs> excuse me, Nico and Val, you know, are able to put some in the back of the net. All right, well, let's <laughs> go for like a 6-2 abs win, and uh, I wouldn't mind seeing EJ light the lamp. That would be that would be okay with me if EJ got one, but the abs got a win, came home 7-1, uh, before hosting St. Louis next week back at Ball Arena. We will be watching, and we appreciate you watching. She's Rachel. I'm Will. See you next time on Mile High Hockey.